Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here with George Mays, and it is Text Driven Tuesday. It is. Good morning, George. Good morning. I am. I'm trying out this new chair, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's going to work for this. <laughs> You're leaned back. I just keep. <laughs> I just keep leaning back. It just bounces up and down. <laughs> So if you see me start to slowly go down, it's the chair. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not me. You're sinking. Yeah. Well, we um, we got our third set of headphones finally, George. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So how thank do they you. look? Do they? Uh, are they, they look like these? Are they just like these? Excellent. It's the third set of these quality headphones. Okay. Uh, so when we have a guest on, we don't have to have them use video game headphones anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, so. or the blue headphones that only work on one yeah. on one ear. We had some people donate to the podcast, so thank you very much for yes, doing that. Thank you. And uh, we used your donation to buy the third set of headphones. Yeah. So thank you very much. And uh, if you do want to donate to it, you can go to our website and you can click the bottom of the button to give. And then when you click that link, you can select um, from the general fund, go down, click one more time down, and select the podcast. And you'll give directly to the podcast. Super easy. And uh, like Patreon, we looked at Patreon, but they take a big cut. Mm. So we're like, I ah, will just keep with the regular giving that we have on through our church. Yeah, and we do appreciate it because, uh, as we were talking about before, one of our iPhone cameras is held up by a quarter. <laughs> it is. <laughs> There's a quarter jammed uh-huh. under it to keep it from look moving. At, <laughs> look at that thing. It's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Look at it. Yeah, it's uh, it's leaning, but the iPhone is held in place by a quarter. By a quarter, yeah. that's precision. <laughs> and so we said every that's, little every little donation counts. Yeah, this so, podcast uh, is run by a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish we had a camera we could point over there at this. Yeah. <laughs> the finished product looks much better than what it looks like in here. Yeah, <laughs> this thing is held together by string. <laughs> Yep. One time, one time, George, I told you this before, in the middle of the Iraq desert. Yeah. I fixed a twelve million dollar radar. I kid you not, with a piece of bubble gum, and a zip tie. Yeah, you you MacGyvered it. I I did. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I mean, you don't have the components you need. You got to make it happen, man. Yeah. So we uh, we're we're trusting in. In your MacGyver skills in here. Larry, Larry's <laughs> the Larry. one who came up with the quarter. Oh, did he? Yeah. The rest of this fiasco I can take credit for, but not okay. that not the quarter. That's the Lair Bear over there. All right. He's behind the scenes. Yep. Very nice. Yep. Very very nicely done. <laughs> well, let's get it. Let's get to it. It's Text Driven Tuesday. We're talking about if you're new to the podcast, what we do on Tuesday is we talk about the sermon, but we're not going to re-preach the sermon. I'm going to interview George. He preached. He began a new book, Second Peter. So it's a perfect time to jump in and into this podcast. And we just talk about uh, maybe making application from it. So you'll get a little bit of the sermon, but not like you would get if you just go back and listen to it. You can do that through our website. But I'll interview George, talk about the text, uh, just two verses today, yep. and we'll try to make some uh, good application from it. So... George, you are now in Second Peter. Yep. I'm going to ask you to read the text here in a second, but tell us, uh, give us an overview. Okay, you did First Peter. Mm-hmm. Tell us in general what First Peter was about, and then tell us now in general what Second Peter is about. Yeah, so Second uh, Peter is uh, several commentaries 
stated that this is probably one of, if not the most overlooked book in the New Testament, huh. which was surprising. You would yep. think something like maybe Philemon mm-hmm. would be overlooked, but Second Peter. And as I reflect, I don't. I think I've heard maybe one sermon out of Second Peter. Wow. Um, I haven't heard a whole lot from Second Peter, uh-huh. and um, so they. But it's interesting because Second Peter and and First Peter they they complement each other. They go. They obviously go together, uh-huh. and so they're both obviously written by by Peter, the Apostle Peter. Um, he is probably writing to the same group of churches that he wrote to in First Peter, so the churches in Asia Minor. But in First Peter, he is dealing. Um, specifically with threats outside the church. So he's he's writing to these churches that are living in a pagan culture and uh, idol worship, emperor worship, um, and if you don't go along with that, you're going to be ostracized. Um, so you've got the, gover- the government that's going to be oppressing you. You've got uh, employers. You've got... Um, even unbelieving spouses, uh, just your unbelieving neighbors, they're going to be mocking you and and blaspheming God, and um, you're you're going to be kind of outcast of society. And so, First Peter is dealing specifically with that issue and how Christians are supposed to live in a pagan culture. So threats outside the church, but now in Second Peter he is addressing threats inside the church. So, um. We, we don't know a whole lot about the false teachings that he is addressing here, but there are, are false teachers that are um, arising within these churches, and so there are threats within the church that now he's dealing with. Uh-huh. Threats outside the church in First Peter, threats inside the church in Second Peter. Okay. And these, these false teachers, um, they are rejecting authority, um, especially the authority of the Old Testament scriptures and the apostles, um, they are scoffing at prophecy, and um, particularly the the prophecy of Christ's second coming and future judgment. So you'll you'll w- when we get to chapter three, we'll see that brought out very okay. clearly. Um, and these these things together, their rejection of authority, their um, scoffing at at prophecy, these things together are going to cause them to promote an immoral lifestyle. And so they're living in immorality, and they are um, teaching other people to practice these things too. Because um, if, if you if you reject the authority of the apostles, and you scoff at the idea that there's any kind of future judgment, right? Then what what does it matter yeah. how you live? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what what Peter is going to do is he's addressing these Christians who are facing this threat within the church, and he is going to be teaching them that um, what you believe has a direct effect on how you live. And so as believers in the Lord Jesus, um, we are under the authority of um, Christ and his word, Uh um, as it's taught through the apostles. And um, his word is true. The, the promises are true. Christ will come again, and there will be future judgment. And all of these things should affect how we live. We should live righteously, not, yeah. not, not abandoning the authority of God's word and not scoffing at um, you know, prophecy and future judgment, but being affected by 
these things and living a righteous life in Christ. So that's that's what's going on in Second Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you made you made a, an interesting uh, introduction to the to the passage, okay. uh, well, to the sermon, and you talked about Joe Biden mm-hmm. and how he he claims to be a Catholic. And yeah, the New York Times put out an article that was basically praising him as the most um, religious president of the last fifty years. Yeah. Now I I guess they're I, I guess they're ignoring you know. I know a few uh, President Bush and his yeah. his. Well, I know a few Catholics, but and by that I mean like ones that actually pra- practice mm-hmm. Catholicism. Yeah, like you know, there are tons of cultural Catholics, just like there are tons of cultural, uh-huh, right? What we would call cultural evangelical Christians that they don't they don't have anything to do with actually trying to to be that, right? And I don't I don't think they would consider Joe Biden to be a Catholic. Well, the thing with Biden that is going to confuse so many people is that he he does quote unquote practice Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Like um, hours before his inauguration, he was at a mass. Right. So he's he's got that, and he he claims to be a a practicing devout Roman Catholic. Like that's that's that is his claim. Um. So he's going to look like a a practicing Catholic. I I got into an argument with uh, an unbeliever on Facebook um over the weekend. Uh-huh. You're not the only one who gets in the arguments, Jay. <laughs> I'm I'm mine may be mine may not be as frequent as yours, but but I still get into arguments. Um Tom Buck, a pastor down in Texas, uh-huh. Southern Baptist pastor, he just tweeted out, you know, there's there's all these Christians that are um, you know, celebrating the fact that Kamala Harris is vice president. Look at this. Here's, here's a uh, you know, a, a woman who is now vice president. She's not, um, she's not white, and so they're they're all, you know, celebrating this. And Tom Buck just tweeted out, "I don't think that that uh, Old Testament Israel would have celebrated Israel uh, Jezebel as as a role model just because she was a woman in power." Mm-hmm. And everyone's going after him. Yeah. Um, how could you call Kamala Harris Jezebel? How could you compare her to Jezebel? And um, not not really dealing with the actual wording of the tweet, for one thing. Uh-huh. Um, but even people like Thabiti um, are going after him. Yeah. Like, this is something hateful. Well, if the shoe fits, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's compare Jezebel in the Old Testament to Kamala Harris, and Jezebel might actually come out looking better. Yeah. Um. But you've so I I, I posted a, a story talking about this on Facebook and an, an unbelieving uh, Facebook friend of mine he he came back and one of his one of his arguments was well I know that Joe Biden is a Christian he's Roman Catholic and I don't know about Kamala Harris but I would imagine that she probably would claim to be a Christian too. Mm. Um. I don't care what they call themselves, <laughs> right? right? I don't care if I don't care if Joe Biden calls himself a Roman Catholic. Yeah, I don't care if he calls himself a devout Roman Catholic. I don't care if he even looks like he's a devout Roman Catholic going to mass every week. Um, the your beliefs affect how you live. They do. Yeah, and let's look at let's look at just the policies that Biden has put into place in his first two weeks in office through his executive orders. Yeah. The most in history. 40, 42, is that right? Yeah, he's just... Something like that. I don't even know if he knows what he's signing. He's just signing away. Did you see the video where he actually says, I don't know what I'm signing? I did. Did you see that? Yeah. 
<laughs> he doesn't know. They just put it forward just and he's just it in signing, front of him and he's away. signing it. Yeah. Sign um, away. He called Trump a dictator. You don't yeah. dictate through executive orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Taxpayer, uh, taxpayer funding of abortion uh-huh. uh, around the world. Around the world. We're, pa- we're now paying through a stroke of his pen mm-hmm. for abortions in other countries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did highlight the fact because it's easy for us. Joe Biden is an easy target. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that I was I was taught in my preaching classes in seminary is is you don't preach to the sin that's not in the room. Mm-hmm. You, you preach to the sin that's in the room. Yeah. It's it's easy to go after Joe Biden. Yeah. So right? then you switch gears. You use that as an attention getter. But then mm-hmm. you switch gears to address the fact that um, there's sin in, in the room. Probably. Yeah. There's pro- there's problems in the evangelical church in America. Yeah. It's not just. Um, it's not just Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, right? Right. It's not. It's not just the Democrats. It's the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. There's a problem within the church, and so I, I just went back to the the Ligonier um, State of Theology survey. We talked about that on on the podcast when yeah. it first came out. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, and we focus primarily on the theology part of of how confused churchgoers are about yeah. who Jesus is and who the Holy Spirit is and what the Bible is and and um, we, we focused on that but there's not just there's not just these theological things there's there's these lifestyle um, questions on here too uh-huh. things about um, morals and it's not looking great yeah it's not looking great uh, this is a this is a survey that surveys churchgoers so th- this is not just a bunch of unbelievers right though maybe <laughs> yeah as, <laughs> maybe as they're unbelievers but they're they are they would say they, they would are. say they're religious at least um we won't go through all of these but just a few of them uh, abortion is a sin so the question is do you agree with this abortion is a sin and only 34 percent agreed not good not great yeah not great um sex outside traditional marriage is a sin only 31% agreed. Um, the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality doesn't apply today. 25% agreed, and only 30% disagreed. So you've got this this scale. Uh, gender identity as a matter of choice, 20% agreed, only 37% disagreed. But this isn't this isn't great. But the problem, the problem is not the person sitting in the Oval Office. That's not the problem. Yeah. The problem is people sitting in the pews. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's what's going on here in Second Peter. It's not what's going on out, outside the church. We should expect that unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers. Pagans are going to be pagan. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to hold to pagan beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, if they believe that um, there's no future judgment, that God is going to accept everyone, then that's going to affect how they live. They don't care if that. When we've talked about this again, um, people know that they're killing babies. That's not the problem. That yeah, it's not. That. It's not there. It's not poverty. It's not. It's not lack of education. It's not. They don't know. People know, and they do it anyway. They have no fear of future judgment, and that affects how they live now. 
And so that's what that's what Peter is addressing for these Christians that what you believe affects how you live. And you know, um, we, that, we need to get back to a, a healthy church who that believes the right thing so that they will live yeah. the correct way. I didn't think of that make this connection yesterday, but I am now. Um I know people who have made a train wreck of their life and the faith and have left the faith and uh, it has affected their life and the life of their children. And the road to it was Love Wins by Rob Bell. Really? Which is about what? It's about the fact that there is no hell. Yeah. So there's no really future judgment. Yeah. Or if you do to go to this place, which we know of hell, um, it's only like, it's more like purgatory. Yeah. There, It's not like what we would think. Yeah. Um, and literally, so what you're saying is what Peter is addressing, mm-hmm. um, it's still going on today. It's still relevant. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is not something that is, um, hypothetical. It's not something that, um, this may happen. It happened, you know, 2000 years ago, but we don't have to worry about it so much. No, this, this, this book is, is very relevant mm-hmm. to believers today. Yeah. We, we have to pay very close attention to Second Peter, and we need to uh, to listen to these warnings because this is the state of the evangelical church in America. Yeah, we we are we have been infiltrated by the false teachers that Peter's writing about, mm-hmm. yeah. and it shows. Yes, very very clearly. Yeah. All right. So you had two main propositions. Mm-hmm. What were they? Uh, two propositions. I, think it, I mean, I know what they are, but I'm trying to set it up for you. <laughs> um, the the two propositions, two verses, two propositions. The, right the, out of the greeting. The the first is, um, we have been saved by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Very simple. That's um, baby stuff, George. This is baby stuff. We don't need this. <laughs> Get to the good stuff already. <laughs> right. We have been saved by Jesus, and there's a lot packed into verse yeah. one. Uh-huh. Um, we probably could have just taken verse one uh-huh. and and left verse two for next week, but it's the intro, so you you hold it together, yeah. Because it, it this encaps, encapsulates the entire book. Uh-huh. You, you want to know what Second Peter is about? Look at verses one and two. Okay. So we have been saved by Jesus. That's verse one. Verse two is we have been saved to Jesus. Okay, I look forward to talking about it. Okay, so let's uh, let's shift the uh, camera over to the text, and George, let's uh, let's get settled in for this long reading. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> After the last couple of weeks with you <laughs> having to read these big chunks, yeah, um, yeah, it's just two verses, and they're they're verses that um, often people just kind of skim over. Mm-hmm. And we don't need this this intro. It's just him introducing himself. We know who this is, but uh, he packs a lot in here, so. Second uh, Peter chapter one verses one and two says Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. All right, that was very simple. All right, well, let's jump into it, man. Let's go. Uh, your first main proposition is that we have been saved by Jesus. So uh, you had several key pieces of theology that I think are relevant in rehearsing and knowing and always keeping before us uh, in our families, in our church, and just to remember for ourselves every day. And the first one that I have written down 
under this that we are saved by Jesus that we need to remember is that the gospel is focused on Jesus. Right. Yeah, the, the gospel is all about Jesus. We've got two verses here, and Jesus is mentioned three times by name. Mm. And it... You mean he's kind of a so, big deal. Yeah, right. And, and, you know, you hear this and you think, well, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. The problem is we've gotten so used to hearing this stuff that we just assume that everyone's on the same page. Mm-hmm. And so we have um, this, this culture that is spiritual. We're, we're living, even, even people that aren't overtly religious are spiritual in some aspect. Right. Like I, I don't think that atheism has won the day. No. I, I think no. that the majority of people in America still are, they still believe in some kind of spirituality. Well, I think the fastest, one of the fastest growing religions in America is paganism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of witches, uh-huh. warlocks, right? Uh, even that, even the Norse yeah. religions are somehow making a, a comeback, mm-hmm. like this Viking stuff. Like yeah. people are are um, talking about, um, you know, Thor. Yeah, <laughs> like he's a real god. Yeah, thanks, Marvel. <laughs> Odin. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, coming into contact with these people mm-hmm. who are are pagans, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, people aren't offended by spiritual or even religious talk, not not really. And talking about God in this general sense doesn't offend a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when we start talking about Jesus, that's when people start to get offended. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the gospel is explicitly Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. It's not this generic God loves you and wants you to have a, you know, a blessed life. Mm-hmm. It's about the person and work of Jesus. And we can't simply assume that everyone's on the same page when we're when we're talking about these things. Yeah. That that's the problem I, I think is in the church. So last week you talked about um, you know, engaging with a culture that is that that's not coming from any kind of Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And I made I made one more step and said, I, I don't think that we can assume that people who go to church have a Christian worldview. Yeah. That's I, right. I, I don't think that we can simply assume that when I say the word gospel to someone that goes to even an evangelical church in this town, uh-huh. I can't assume that they they have the same the same ideas going through their head that I right. am. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. We we have to be explicit about this. Uh-huh. And the first thing is that it's all about Jesus. Uh-huh. It's not just a generic God. God um, has sent His Son, and we know His name is Jesus. Uh-huh. And so we have to be, we have to be specific about it. Mm-hmm. And Peter is very specific. Three times, yeah. three times he he talks about Jesus. Yeah. He is he is a servant and an apostle of Jesus. Um, he's the the people he's writing to have obtained a faith by the righteousness of Jesus, and we have grace and and peace multiplied to us through the knowledge of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it's it's all about Jesus. Yeah. 
It is. And, it, and that's one of the shocking things today, that there's so many people today that are, um, what's the guy's name who does the family uh, feud now? Steve Harvey? Yeah, yeah. Did you see his thing where he's like saying there's other ways? I did. And God. he was, wasn't he dressed? Yeah. Wasn't yeah. he dressed in like a Arab, 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 Arabic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he had the most, the lamest illustration you've ever seen. He's like, you know, other people might be watching a different channel on the TV than you, but they're still entertained. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I, I guess that's the point of Christianity is to be entertained and uh, whatever. But it just tells wow. you, it just goes to show you again, like, um, even. You know, I think I, I think he would have identified as a Christian before. Um, mm-hmm. They don't understand that the gospel is focused on Jesus because all of human history is focused on Jesus. Right. It's this, it's this Oprah Winfrey spirituality. Yeah. It's you know, I'm okay, you're okay. The the many paths up the mountain that lead to the same point. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that simply is not the case. That's not true. Yeah, it's all centered on Jesus. Right. And um, uh, believers don't have to be um, ashamed of talking about Jesus. You don't have to let your your unbelieving friends and neighbors and family members shame you. Ah, you're just talking about Jesus again. You're just always talking about Jesus. Well, okay, you can never talk too much about Jesus because all of, like you said, all of human history, the entire cosmos exists for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's all about Jesus. How can you talk too too much about this? And this is something that every one of the church encounters. Brooke was asking me about it because I'm sure she encounters it every day. She's like, "What do I say?" You know, because you're talking about the monotheistic religions. If somebody mm-hmm. says to me, I'm pretty sure she encountered this in school. What do I say when someone says to me, "Well, Muslims and Jews and Christians all worship the same God?" Because you know, <laughs> we all come we're uh-huh. the Abrahamic faith or right. whatever. And so, well, it's very easy to prove that that's not true. Right. Like in a millisecond, mm. isn't it? I mean, we believe Jesus is God. Right. That's the end of the story. Yep. <laughs> we don't even have to get into the idea of the Muslim God being detached and impersonal, mm-hmm. um, or that the the Jews are looking for a future Messiah still. Yeah. We believe Jesus is God. <clears throat> end of story. Right. That's, that is usually my, my um, advice when people are dealing with people of other faiths even even other faiths that would claim to be Christian, like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, mm-hmm. uh, because we can we can get sidetracked in all the the different bizarre things that these different cults teach. But my advice is always to ask about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Always, always center the discussion on Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? Yeah, who is he? Because for Jehovah's Witnesses, he's he's the Archangel Michael. He's he's the first and greatest greatest creature. He's created. He's he's greater than everything else, but he still was created. Yeah. Um, for the Mormons, he is, um, he's the brother of Lucifer. Um, God actually had sexual relationship with Mary, and she gave birth to Jesus. It's like a it's, demigod. It's it's like Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. It's like Zeus. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this is not the same Jesus that that we worship, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, focus. You know, you don't you don't have to be an expert in apologetics to engage with these people. All you need to do is talk about Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, the differences will become very clear very quickly. Yeah, the gospel is focused on Jesus, and that's good because it takes. We need to keep that in our mind because the other thing people do in our culture is they make the gospel a very man centered thing. Mm-hmm. 
when it's not. Right. Um, we it obviously is about us too, but we're uh, the recipients of something God has done in Christ, right. and so it's always focused on Christ, mm-hmm. and then us reaping the benefits of what Christ has done. Yeah, and we see that in this verse. Mm-hmm. It's it's very clear that we receive something from from God. So the second point we're going to get to that one. That's yeah. number three, I think I have, and your substructure. The second substructure that I have, George, we're being technical here, is that you said this is an unchanging gospel. Explain yeah. that. There, there's only one gospel. It's it's um, so he he says to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Mm-hmm. So here's Peter. He's already said that he's an apostle, and um, you know I think that there's a subtle little jab at these false teachers that are are here in this church because they're rejecting authority. They're building themselves up like they are. I almost think that maybe Peter is dealing with super apostles, mm-hmm. like Paul's dealing with them in Second Corinthians. And they're always around. They're they? always around. There's always these people that they they are puffed up with their own with their own so called knowledge. They they think that they've got it all figured out. We're superior. Come to us, and we'll you know we'll we'll teach you. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter could have done that. He could have said, "I'm I'm an apostle." I walked on water, I, boy. That's right. I walked with Jesus. I saw, <laughs> I was with him, right? I was one of the I was one of the inner circle. I was one of the the big three, right? <laughs> he could have he could have said that. Um, even when he gets even when we get further into chapter one and he starts talking about the transfiguration, he could have he could have really built himself up. I was there. Yeah. I saw Jesus transfigured. You should listen to me. Mm-hmm. Instead, he says. You've obtained a, a faith that's of equal worth with mine. Yeah, there's there's no difference between the faith that you've received and I've received, even though I'm an apostle and and you're not. Mm. That doesn't change the fact that it's the same gospel. Mm-hmm. It's the apostolic gospel, and it comes from an unchanging God, and so it's unchanging. Mm. There's there's no, well, you have one gospel and I have another, and mine's just slightly better than yours. Yeah. Right. It's it is of equal standing, mm. <laughs> of equal worth. That's that that word equal standing. It's one word in Greek, and it's just equal value mm. or equal honor. Mm. Um, the 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 faith that that Peter has in Christ is of equal worth with the faith that these Christians have, and it's unchanging. Mm-hmm. And that's good for us to know, um, because it's been two thousand years since Peter wrote this. And uh, if our our culture has a hard time grasping the fact that we still are holding on to something that was written two thousand years ago, because we're more scientific, Jay, didn't you know that we're more enlightened? Yeah, that we've got we've got more things figured out. Yeah, <laughs> Peter only thought there were two genders, Jay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we we now know that there are. Hundreds and hundreds yeah. of genders. We've got we, it all figured out. <laughs> we know people don't come back from the dead. Uh-huh. Don't you love that one? <laughs> right. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. You really think people were that stupid back then? <laughs> they do. Uh, who was it? Uh, was it C.S. Lewis that called it, uh, what, uh, historical snobbery? Chronological. Chronological snobbery. Yeah. yeah we, we think because we're here in 2021 that somehow we are intellectually superior to people that lived in you know, 60 AD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, because we, we think that everything is progressing and people are just getting smarter and we, we're not 
these superstitious people. Um, yeah, we don't have people running around here like worshiping trees and uh, stuff. Right. <laughs> that's something that happened back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we don't have people that are using crystals. Yeah, magic, <laughs> magic crystals, magic crystals. Put them on your on your wrists. Uh-huh. Get balanced. Right. Yeah. Um, we're <laughs> we are exactly the same. We we may have ev- advanced technologically and scientifically so that we have um, different ways in which we are pagan than you know our ancestors of two thousand years ago. But people are just as pagan. No- nothing mm-hmm. has changed in yeah. two thousand years in regards to the the nature of man, the heart yeah. of man. They, yeah. they still chase after the exact same things. Mm-hmm. People are still chasing after sex. Mm-hmm. They're still chasing after money and stuff. They're still chasing after power and fame and position. This is the same stuff that they were, they were, when we get to chapter two, there is go- there's not going to be much difference between the false teachers that Peter's dealing with and the false teachers of today. Mm. So the gospel is unchanging. It's unchanging gospel. Uh, number three, it is a received gospel. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Okay, explain yeah. that uh, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Um, that word "obtained" it's it can be translated as "received." Mm-hmm. Um, it carries the connotation of something that's been determined by the casting of lots. Okay, um, it's it's not something that is. Um, based upon your decision mm. or upon your merit. You, you didn't chase it. It's something that God has given to you. You've obtained it, not because of something that you've done, but because God has given it to you. Uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What, what are we are doing? We, are we tra- <laughs> <laughs> We're going down the road of, uh, uh, of election. Yeah. That's, that's what this is. It's... It's divine election. We we should expect this from Peter. He talks about it in First Peter chapter one. Right. Like, um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Mm-hmm. It's we're we're passive in that. Mm-hmm. He we we don't cause ourselves to be born again. He's the one who causes us to be born again. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing here. We have obtained. It literally says to those who have obtained faith. Mm. So. Faith is not something that you're drumming up. Mm. It's given to you. Yeah. Faith is a gift. It's yeah. something that you receive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But today, you know, in in uh, in our world, people like to think about faith as something that they that they muster up, mm-hmm. like, literally like the force. So, oh yeah. You know, they're sitting on the on the rock like uh like Ray and they got your you got your <laughs> eyes shut, reach out your hand. All right. <laughs> and the and and your faith is like boom and you crack the the rock and and then Luke stands back and he's like, Oh, faith. Right. <laughs> That's how people think they become Christians today. I, I really am uncomfortable with you using illustrations from the new the new Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> well I, I because that belief is a train wreck, I wanted to, to come from a movie that was okay, a train wreck. All right. Well as long as you don't start talking about Luke uh, taking his his uh, milk from that, that creature on the island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some people that don't watch movies, they have no idea yeah. what, what we're talking about. Yeah. Don't seek it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not something that you're producing. You're, you don't have you know the the furnace of faith 
<laughs> in your chest and you're trying to you're trying to muster up enough faith yeah. so that God will be pleased with you or so you can believe faith is a gift it's given to you yeah, that, yeah. that's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 2 verses yeah. 8 and 9 yeah. it's, it's by grace you've been by been saved not by works it's a gift of God mm-hmm. that this is not something that you're producing it's something that God has given to you mm. good yeah, yeah. And um, we, especially in the reform camp, we hear this so often, and, and we need to be reminded of this, of um, how amazing God's grace is that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were enemies, and God gave us faith to believe in Jesus. Yeah. He, he, didn't just, he didn't just give us Jesus as, as amazing a gift that as that is, he gave us the actual faith to believe on Jesus and be yeah. saved. Yeah. Uh, Paul will say it in Philippians, Philippians like this, that you have been granted, and the word is graced, not only to mm-hmm. suffer for his sake, but to believe. Right. Yeah. Or to believe and to suffer. I mm-hmm. can't remember which order it's in, but yeah. people, we don't consider suffering for Christ a gift. Yeah. Well, n- neither do people consider believing mm-hmm. to be a gift, but right. yet he calls both a gift of God. Yeah. Yeah, so. and it's it's just amazing. You uh, because of this, we don't receive any credit for any part of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Even our belief is a gift from God. That's right. We got to move on. We're we're cooking up the clock over here. <laughs> uh, number four, it's based on the righteousness of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That you have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by that. That the Greek word is in. Uh, it's by or through. That the uh, it's through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, this was a problem that that Martin Luther had mm-hmm. um, with this idea of the righteousness of God, and uh, I read um, his his testimony. For those listening that aren't maybe initiated <clears throat> in this lingo, the righteousness of God. What we spoke, what we speak of, is we just think of it as like the perfectness, mm-hmm. like the perfect nature. Or the complete justice right. of, um, and so Luther literally thought it was uh, to be earned. Like most people at that it's time, the, it's the unattainable. How can you make yourself so right. perfect mm-hmm. to where God will accept you? Yeah, because Luther had um, he had a, a a grasp of how sinful he was. He he wasn't he wasn't in some kind of um, illusion of what a, a massive sinner he was. Mm-hmm. That's that wasn't his problem. His problem was he didn't understand um, what this meant by the righteousness of God. He he believed it to be the righteousness that God demanded from sinners to obtain. Mm-hmm. If you want to be saved, you have to reach this righteousness. Yeah. And Luther got to the point where he hated this God. Mm-hmm. Because he knew that he couldn't reach it, he yeah. knew that this this was unattainable. This was impossible. He 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 was the the monk of all monks. Mm-hmm. He said, if anyone could have been saved by his monkery, it would have been him. Yeah, because he he jumped through all the 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 hoops that the Roman Catholic Church had, and he still could not shake the guilt and the condemnation that that was on his shoulders. Well, people still view God in this way. They mm-hmm. see it. They see God as like. The final, the final boss in a video game, right? But you can't get in the in the boss until you level up, right? Like you've got to be leveled up. Yeah. And so the question people have is, well, 
am I leveled up enough? Like people <laughs> that go through life wondering, have I done enough good? Yeah. How much good do I need to do for God to accept me and to let me in? Right. And so they're on this. Well, they either do one of two things: they fall into despair, like Luther, because they say, "Well, I can never level up to God's level." Mm-hmm. Or uh, what they do is they they go the other way and they'll downplay God yeah. to where pretty much He'll let anyone. He'll in. let anybody in, and every yeah. nope. There's nothing wrong with anybody. Everybody's right. okay. I'm okay, and you're okay. We're all okay. We're all getting in. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the the what the reality is is God doesn't change at all. He doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't lower the standard for anyone. And then comes the big surprise. Yeah, the the righteousness is not the righteousness that you're supposed to produce. Yeah, it's the righteousness that God gives you freely. It's a gift. It's yeah. It it is the perfect standard mm-hmm. because God is completely holy. You you cannot approach a holy God. Um. In your, clothed in your own works, in your own sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and God is gracious to you, and he gives you a righteousness that is perfect. But it's not your righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. Yes. He clothed you in the righteousness of his own son. Mm-hmm. Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience. Mm-hmm. He, he kept all the law. There was not a second that he failed in any, in any aspect of the law. He was completely perfect. And um, by faith, which is a gift, uh-huh. God gives you the gift of Christ's righteousness. He clothes you in righteousness of Christ. It's not your righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that's, that's put on you. And um, when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He, uh-huh. sees, he sees perfect law-keeping. Yeah. Um, goodness, how can we ever stop being amazed by this? Yeah. But this is the problem. This is the problem in the church is that we've stopped being amazed by this. We, um, we've just assumed this gospel. We just assume that when we, when, we, when we say the word gospel, that everyone is just, they're just, they have all of this understanding. They, they know exactly what this is. Mm-hmm. When I'm afraid that a lot of people in American churches, when you say the gospel, they believe something like, well, I said a prayer asking Jesus into my heart. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's it. Yeah, and Jesus helps me to be good, uh-huh. and and with His help, I can be good, and God will accept. Yeah, me. right. Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid that's what people think when when they yeah. hear the word gospel. That's right. It, in the church, mm-hmm. we have to be explicit about this. That's right. And it, we've got to we've got to be amazed by this. We just I mean we just had lunch with a guy today who's you know he new to our church, but he's gone around looking at a lot of churches and. And it's what he says. He says a lot of churches just are very confused on the gospel. Yeah. It's, that's today. Yeah. yeah. And the buckle of the Bible belt. Right. Yeah. Because we've assumed the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we, we think that there's, there's either you're a Christian or you're apostate. But really it's a process. And this process has been um, described by people like D.A. Carson and others that it's a, it's a four-step process that you accept the gospel. One generation accepts the gospel. They're, so was they're, it, this they're, would, they're solid. Let's say this would be like, what, our grandparents' generation? Grandparents or great-grandparents. Okay. Yeah. And then you assume the gospel. So everyone's a Christian. So you don't, have to, you don't have to keep telling people the same things over and over again. Well, when you assume the gospel, the gospel gets confused. 
because that next generation, so your your great grandparents, they were Christians, but they just kind of assumed the gospel with with grandparents. And so our parents' generation gets confused on the gospel. And so you you come up with things like God helps those who help themselves. Uh-huh. Right? You you've got people that think that that you 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 walk an aisle and you say a prayer and and you ask Jesus into your heart and that's it. That's, you're you're good. Um no matter what you no matter what you do. Uh and so our generation loses the gospel. Uh. And that's what we see. Yeah. We're 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 seeing the end of that that four generation process it's it's come to even churches have lost the gospel they don't know what it is yeah and so we have to be explicit with this gospel we have to be clear with this gospel not just in our church in our families we can't we can't just simply assume because our children are going to church with us every sunday that that it's sinking in Yes, we have to teach our kids explicitly what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be reminded of the gospel. We'll, we'll get to that um, in in a couple of weeks. Um, one of the the major terms that Peter uses is remember and remind, mm-hmm. because we we forget, we forget. Peter is telling Christians in his generation, like this is first generation believers, he's reminding them of the gospel, and. We've gotten to the point where two thousand years um, in the future, and we think that we don't need to be reminded of the gospel. Mm. We just assume it. Yeah, there's a reason why so many churches are in trouble. There's a reason why our nation is in the state that it is, and it's not because we've got people like Biden and Harris in the White House. It's because we've got pastors in the pulpits that aren't preaching the gospel. Mm. We've got Christians sitting in pews that. They think they know the gospel. It's just assumed, mm-hmm. but they don't actually know what it is. Yeah. If you ask them, "What is the gospel?" can you can you tell me what the gospel is? What what is what does a person have to do to be saved? You know, if if these people that are sitting in pews in evangelical churches around this country, if the Philippian jailer said to them, "What must I do to be saved?" they wouldn't be able to tell them. Yeah, they'd say, "Well, you need to say a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart," or they'd say, "Let me go get my pastor." Hang on, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. because we've just assumed the gospel and it's just been lost. And then he might show up and be like, "Love wins, bro." <laughs> right? Don't worry, You're good. Yeah, you're right. Well, we got to move on to number two. Okay, um, we're saved by Jesus, but we're also saved to Jesus. Right. So. We don't have that much time left, but t- talk about this. We are saved to Jesus. Okay, so this is this is verse two. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Um, I think that um, one of the problems, I think, again, this, this goes hand in hand with the assuming of the gospel, is that people assume that the gospel is just the entryway into Christianity. So they, they, they walk the aisle, they say the prayer, they get baptized, they join a church, and um, that's it. That's 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 pretty much Christianity. Mm. Um, and I I think that this is much to be blamed on you know the tent revivals of the you know the early 1900s. Um, you know the Billy Grahams and uh, you know Billy Sundays and uh, Charles Finney's and these these guys that perfected the altar call. 
um, the Christian life doesn't stop right there. And the gospel is not just your entryway into heaven. The goal of your faith is to grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is. You are constantly wanting to go deeper. And uh, that's what's going on here. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So grace and peace, these are not just these shallow, trite phrases. Grace is this unmerited favor. It's, it's the, the goodwill of God towards, towards believers. Peace is that reconciliation between God and man that comes through Jesus, right? Um, the things that you experience at, at conversion, right? But um, what, he, uh, what he wants for these believers is he wants it to be multiplied mm. to them. He, he wants them to experience more of it, that it's not just this entry into um, heaven. It is this dynamic, growing relationship that comes through the knowledge of Christ. And um, I, I use the illustration of, of children. Mm-hmm. We, we know um, that babies grow. Yeah. And uh, we, we would find it weird that, um, you know, to see a, a 14 or 15-year-old walking around sucking on a bottle. Yeah. Or, or wearing diapers. Mm-hmm. You know that, that if they are, there's something not right. Mm-hmm. Like something's gone wrong. Um. But we are perfectly comfortable with seeing baby Christians who've been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. We've experienced this. Yeah. We've experienced it in the last five years. Mm -hmm. People that um, have claimed to be Christians for the majority of their life, but can't explain the gospel. They can't explain the Trinity. They haven't grown in their sanctification like they're still living like baby christians or maybe unbelievers yeah because they're not growing in their knowledge of who jesus is yeah why are we so comfortable with that but if we saw you know a teenager walking around sucking on a pacifier it wouldn't make us squirm a little bit we we ought to be uncomfortable by these shallow baby christians in our churches yeah we're not uncomfortable with it, we make excuses for it, in fact. Mm -hmm. But if you were to meet someone of a different religion and they were to say, I've been practicing Islam for 40 years, or 30 30 years, or Mm -hmm. however long, and you say, I'm I'm devout, and you were to say, well, tell me about it, I'm interested, and they were to say, well, you know, I really can't tell you that much about it, you know, I just can tell you I like to go. What would we think? Mm -hmm. You think... Like, yeah, maybe you don't you, know what you're talking like, about. And then maybe are you really are you really a, are you really a Muslim? Uh-huh. Like what is this? Is this just a social thing? Yeah. But yet we will make excuses all day long yeah. for for people in the Christian faith. We we've, we've gotten so used to cultural Christianity that it just doesn't bother us anymore. Mm-hmm. And we we've, we've got this this idea that um anybody can be a Christian and you don't even have to go to church. Yeah. Right? Oprah is a Christian. That's what, yeah. That, well, I don't know if she still identifies. I don't know if she still that. identifies as a Christian, but she, but she did, did. For a long time. She did. Yeah, yeah she did. Um, there's a lot of people that identify as Christians. Yeah. Um, just because you say that you are doesn't mean that you are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you've got a devout, you know, quote unquote, devout Roman Catholic in the White House. Um, do- doesn't even know that it's wrong to murder babies. And to send money 
to other countries so that they can murder babies too? That's not a devout Christian. The goal, the goal of Christianity is not merely to escape hell. Right. Right. It though that is obviously a uh, big benefit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't have to downplay the fact that we don't want to go to hell. But the goal, I I think that um, you know, you got uh, heaven is is the goal for a lot of people. Yes, heaven is the goal, and but which heaven? Right, that's the question. Yeah, it and our goal should be Jesus. Yeah, and so if if we get to heaven and there's no there's no there's um, no Jesus there's no there's no suffering there's no pain. You know, we we have rest, but Jesus isn't there. Yeah. For the true Christian, that's hell, because the goal of a true a true Christian is to get to Jesus. Yeah, and to know Him. And to know Him. Yeah. And that's not just head knowledge. Yeah. That is this intimate relational knowledge of who Jesus is, and it's a knowledge that we'll never be able to to plumb the depths of who Jesus is. Well, we will forever be increasing in our knowledge and our love and our praise of who Jesus is. A good a good image and one that many people won't understand today sadly is marriage. Mm-hmm. And you brought that up and I was yeah. thinking about that today yesterday and today actually. And I've had this conversation with my son about it um because you know they see that the marriage that we have most of their friends that they're in school with their parents don't have the same type of marriage mm. or they've been already married, you know, two or three times. Yeah. Um and but to know, like, uh, you think when you first get married, you're like, man, I'm in, I'm in, I, uh, I'm totally engrossed with this person. Mm-hmm. They're the greatest person. And right. We have the greatest relationship. Yeah. But now, I mean, we're this will be 19 years coming up, and I think to myself, I this relationship now, the knowing, is five million times better. It's not even. And, it's not even the same relationship, right? And because I did, you've, gr- I didn't you've think, grown. You've grown so much in in knowledge of who that person yeah, yeah. is. I didn't think it could get any better. <laughs> right. Back at the beginning, you, th- you think that the honeymoon is it, right? Yeah. But it's not. It gets. It gets so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And so to go and to think of it this way is to and that's what Paul. Paul is the one who says this. Mm-hmm. It the marriage relationship is a picture of Christ right. in the church. Yeah. So it's a picture of our relationship with Christ. And it's that into infinity. Mm-hmm. And so it only continually gets better and better and better. The more that you know Christ, the more grace and peace increases. Right. And I think I think again we we pitch the gospel in wrong terms like yeah. we talked about last time. Yeah. We say how would you like to have infinite pleasure that only like multiplies <laughs> right it only increases for eternity yeah it compounds yep for eternity yeah um we've got to learn how to how to talk about these things but yeah blessed blessed is the man this is true happiness this is true joy and it's only found in christ mm-hmm. it's not found in in just the benefits of christ it's found in the person of jesus and so we're supposed to to grow in our knowledge of who he is. Verse two and and the last verse of the book, they form bookends. So here in verse two, he's he's praying, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus. And the, the last verse of the book is, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Yeah. So it's this this idea of growing, of pursuing Christ, of knowing Him deeper and and more and more and more. It forms the the bookends, and so everything in between. It's all about how we are to grow in that knowledge of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and we do that as we'll see. He's going to build up to. It's found in the scriptures. Mm. Um, God has given us the scriptures, and as we as we we study the scriptures, we come to know Jesus more. And that's something that um, you could you could live um, you know a million lifetimes, and you still would not have um, found the depths of of who Jesus is because He's infinite. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to know Him and and grow in our knowledge of Him for all eternity. That's good. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in today to Text Driven Tuesday. Hope it was a blessing to you. We're starting out a new book. Hopefully you'll hang in there and continue to come back and listen as uh, George preaches through this for a few more weeks. Uh, how many more weeks you got until we take a break? Do you know? It's okay if you don't know. Four, I think. Four more? I think we're going to do five for chapter one. Okay. So keep coming back. It's our hope and our goal that this helps you to uh, to know Christ better, to know God better, and everything that we do, it's, uh, it's done. The name says it all. It's to help you to become conformed to Christ.